Book Four, Chapters One to Fifteen of Commentaries on the Gallic War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Garvin. Commentaries on the Gallic War by Julius Caesar. Translated by Thomas Rice Holmes. Book Four, Chapter One The Fate of the Eusipetes and Tancteri, Caesar's First Invasion of Britain. In the following winter, the year in which Gnaeus Pompeius and Marcus Crassus were consuls, a German tribe, the Eusipetes, accompanied by the Tancteri, crossed the Rhine in large numbers, not far from the point where it enters the sea. Their motive was that for several years they had been subject to harassing attacks from the Swabi and prevented from tilling the land. The Swabi are by far the most numerous and warlike of all the German peoples. They are said to comprise a hundred clans, each of which annually sends a thousand armed men on a military expedition beyond the frontier. The rest of the population remain at home and support the expeditionary force as well as themselves. Next year they take up arms in their turn, and the others remain at home. Thus, agriculture goes on uninterruptedly, along with theoretical and practical training in war. Private property in land, however, does not exist, and no one is allowed to remain for farming in one spot longer than a year. Not much corn, indeed, is consumed. The people live principally on milk and flesh meat, and spend much time in hunting. This, combined with the nature of their food, their constant exercise and freedom from restraint, for they have never from childhood been made to obey or subjected to discipline, and never do anything against their inclination, fosters their bodily vigor and produces a race of gigantic stature. Moreover, they have trained themselves to wear no clothing, even in the coldest districts, except skins, which leave a large part of the body bare, and to bathe in the rivers. 2. Traders are, are allowed to enter their country, not because they want to import anything, but that they may find purchasers for their booty. Even horses, of which the Gauls are extremely fond, and to procure which they go to great expense, are not imported by the Germans. The native horses are undersized and ugly, but by constant exercise they develop in themselves extraordinary powers of endurance. In cavalry combats they often dismount and fight on foot, training their horses to stand still, and quickly remounting when necessary. According to their notions, nothing is more shameful or unmanly than the use of saddles, and so, however small their numbers, they are ready to encounter any number of cavalry who use them. They will not allow wine to be imported at all, considering that its use enfeebles a man's power of endurance, and makes him effeminate. 3. The communities as such pride themselves on keeping the land round their own borders, uninhabited as far as possible, regarding it as a proof that many tribes are unable to cope with them. Thus it is said that on one side of the Suiban territory there is an uninhabited tract extending about 600 miles. On the opposite side their neighbors are the Ubi, who were once a considerable tribe, and according to German standards, a flourishing tribe. They are, in fact, rather more civilized than the rest of the nation, for they are near the Rhine. Their country is much frequented by traders, and from 
propinquity they have become familiarized with gallic customs the suebi after many campaigns and frequent attempts had found them too numerous and powerful to be dispossessed but they made them tributary and reduced them to comparative insignificance and weakness four the usipetes and tincteri mentioned above were in the same position for several years they withstood the pressure of the suebi but at length they were dispossessed and after wandering for many years through many parts of germany came to the rhine the menapi inhabited that region and owned lands homesteads and villages on both sides of the river but alarmed by the incursion of this large host they abandoned their dwellings on the front they abandoned their dwellings on the further bank established outposts on this side of the rhine and determined to prevent the germans from crossing the latter tried every expedient but being unable to force a passage from one of boats or to get across unobserved because of the menapian patrols pretended to return to the district where they had settled marched on for three days and then turned back again their cavalry made the whole journey in a single night and swooped down upon the menapi who knowing nothing of their movements were off their guard and having been informed by their patrols that they had gone off had fearlessly recrossed the rhine and returned to their villages the germans slaughtered them seized their boats crossed the river before the menapi on this side of the rhine could tell what they were about took possession of all their buildings and for the rest of the winter lived on their stores five the unstable character of the gauls caused caesar anxiety for they do not abide by their decisions and are generally prone to revolution accordingly when he learned the facts he thought it best not to rely upon them at all it is a custom of theirs to detain travelers even against their will and question them individually about what they have heard or ascertained on this or that topic and in the towns the people cluster around traders and make them say where they come from and tell them the news influenced by these reports even when they are merely hearsay they often embark upon the most momentous enterprises and as they trust blindly to vague gossip and their informants generally tell lies and frame their answers to please them they naturally repent of their plans as soon as they are formed six caesar was aware of this custom and to avoid having a serious war on his hands he started to rejoin his army earlier than usual on his arrival he found that his forebodings were justified embassies had been sent by more than one tribe to the germans inviting them to quit the neighborhood of the rhine and promising to supply all their requirements allured by this prospect they were now wandering further afield and had reached the territories of the Eberones and Condrusi, both dependents of the Treveri. Caesar summoned the Gallic notables, and thinking it well to dissemble what he knew, addressed them in soothing and reassuring terms, directed them to furnish cavalry, and announced his intention of taking the field against the Germans. 7. After arranging for a supply of grain, and selecting troopers from the several contingents, he began his march towards the districts in which he heard that the Germans were encamped. When he was within a few days' march from them, their envoys arrived, and addressed him as follows. The Germans were not the aggressors, but if they were provoked they would not shrink from a contest with the Roman people, for it was a principle of theirs, handed down by their forefathers, to resist all who attacked them, and not to sue for mercy. Still this much they would say, 
they had come reluctantly because they had been driven from their country if the romans cared for their goodwill their friendship might be of use to them let the romans either assign them lands or suffer them to retain those which they had won by the sword they acknowledged the superiority of the swubi alone for even the immortal gods were no match for them and there was no other people upon earth whom they could not overcome eight caesar made a suitable reply the upshot of his speech was that there could be no friendship between him and the germans if they remained in gaul it was not reasonable for people who could not defend their own territories to take possession of those of others and besides there were no unoccupied lands in gaul which could be made over to any people least of all to one so numerous without injustice still they might settle if they wished in the country of the ubi whose envoys were with him complaining of the ill treatment of the swebi and asking for his aid and he would order the ubi to receive them nine the envoys said that they would prefer this offer to their principles and after it had been considered would return to caesar in three days meanwhile they requested him not to move nearer caesar told them that it was impossible for him to make even this concession he had ascertained that a large detachment of their cavalry had been sent across the meuse some days before the country of the Ar some days before to the country of the ambiviarti to plunder and forage and he believed that they were waiting for their return and that that was their motive for trying to gain time ten the meuse rises in the volsges mountains which are in the territory of the lingones receives an affluent called the wall from the rhine thereby forming the island of the batavi and not more than eighty miles from that point flows into the ocean the rhine rises in the country of the leponti who inhabit the alps and flows swiftly for a long distance through the territories of the nantuetes helvetii sequani mediomatrici tribosi and treveri as it approaches the sea it branches off into several t channels and forms numerous large islands many of which are inhabited by fierce rude tribes some of whom are supposed to live on fish and birds eggs and discharges itself by numerous outlets into the ocean eleven when caesar was not more than twelve miles from the enemy their envoys returned to him according to agreement and meeting him on his march earnestly entreated him to advance no farther as they could not induce him to comply they begged him to send word to the cavalry which had gone on in advance of the column forbidding them to fight and to let them send envoys to the ubi declaring that if their council and chief swore to keep faith with them they would avail themselves of the terms which he offered and asking him to give them three days to complete the arrangements caesar believed that all these stipulations had the same object to secure three days delay for the return of the absent cavalry still he said that he would advance four miles and no more that day to get water on the morrow as many of them as could come were to assemble at his halting place that he might take cognizance of their request meanwhile he sent messengers to tell the cavalry officers who had gone on in front of their whole force not to attack the enemy and in case they were attacked themselves to remain on the defensive till he came up with the rest of the army twelve our cavalry who numbered five thousand felt no anxiety as the german envoys had asked for an armistice for that day and he had only just left caesar the moment the enemy caught sight of them although they had not more than eight hundred horse 
those who had crossed the Meuse to forage not having yet returned they charged and speedily threw them into confusion and when they rallied the enemy following their regular practice sprang to the ground stabbed their horses in the belly and unhorsed a number of our men they charged and speedily threw them into confusion and when they rallied the enemy following their regular practice sprang to the ground stabbed the horses in the belly and unhorsed a number of our men sent the rest flying and swept them along in such panic that they never drew rein till they came in sight of our column seventy-four of our troopers were killed in the affair including piso a gallant aquitanian of the most illustrious family whose grandfather had been honored by the senate with the title of friend and had held sovereignty in his own tribe his brother was surrounded by the enemy but he went to his assistance and rescued him and though his horse was wounded and he was thrown he resisted most gallantly as long as he could surrounded and covered with wounds he fell when his brother who had by this time got away from the press and was some distance off saw what had happened and putting spurs to his horse rode straight against the enemy and perished thirteen after this combat caesar no longer felt bound to listen to the envoys or to entertain the proposals of a people who after asking for peace had made a treacherous insidious and unprovoked attack on the other hand he thought that it would be the height of folly to wait till the enemy were reinforced by the return of their cavalry from his knowledge of the unstable character of the gauls he realized that the enemy by a single victory had already gained great prestige with them and he thought it best to give them no time to form their plans having come to this decision he communicated to his questor and generals his determination not to lose a day in forcing on a battle when a most fortunate event occurred next day early in the morning a numerous depredation of the germans comprising all the leading men and all those of mature age came to the camp in the same spirit of treachery and deceit to wait upon him their ostensible object was to clear themselves from complicity in the attack which had taken place the day before contrary to the agreement which they had themselves asked for at the same time they intended if possible to gain an extension of the armistice on some pretext caesar was delighted that they had put themselves in his power and ordered them to be detained he then marched out of camp at the head of his whole force ordering the cavalry whom he believed to be demoralized by the recent combat to bring up the rear fourteen forming the army in three lines he made a rapid march of eight miles and reached the enemy's camp before the germans could realize what was going to happen the rapidity of our advance and the absence of their leaders suddenly and completely unnerved them there was no time to consider or to arm and they were too distracted to know whether it was best to throw their strength against the enemy to defend the camp or to fly for their lives their terror was manifested by cries and hurried movements and the soldiers exasperated by the treachery of the previous day burst into the camp those who were quick enough to seize their weapons made a brief stand there against our men fighting under cover of their wagons and baggage but the host of women and children for they had left their country and crossed the rhine with all their belongings began to flee in all directions and caesar sent his cavalry to hunt them down fifteen the germans heard the shrieks behind and seeing that their kith and kin were being slaughtered threw away their weapons abandoned their standards and rushed out of the camp when they reached the confluence of the moselle and the rhine great numbers were already killed and the rest giving up all hope of escape plunged into the stream and there perished overcome by terror weariness and the force of the current our men had anxiously anticipated an arduous struggle 
for the enemy's numbers had amounted to four hundred and thirty thousand but all to a man returned safe to camp with only a very few wounded caesar gave the prisoners whom he had detained in camp the option of going free but as they were afraid of being punished and tortured by the gauls whose lands they had ravaged they said that they would prefer to remain with him and he permitted them to do so end of chapter fifteen